Governor Kim Reynolds doesn't think the public has a right to know. Robert Mueller testifies before Congress. It's been two years since John McCain gave a big thumbs down to save the ACA. And Joni Ernst has the worst Thanksgiving ever. What a week. I'm Matt Sinovic, the executive director of Progress Iowa. I'm Lauren McNamil, the digital director for Progress Iowa. And this is episode two of What a Week where we cover the uh, the week's headlines and some of the top stories in Iowa and across the country. So let's get into it. Uh, first up is Governor Kim Reynolds. So after the Tupac shenanigans of last week that blew up and went viral, Governor Reynolds and her staff have been trying to show that they did not, in fact, fire or ask for Fox Hoven's resignation because of his Tupac obsession. Apparently, Kim Reynolds is a Biggie fan. (laughs) But in the interim, she's been saying that the public does not have a right to know why she asked for his resignation. And despite um, action from the House Democrats and Senate Democrats, There's been no movement on whether an investigation should occur from the oversight committees. I believe Auditor Rob Sand has said that he would start an investigation, but the general feeling is that there is something going on that Kim Reynolds is not telling us, that they're trying to hide something. And even if she's not hiding something, this is just bad optics. Yeah, and I think this goes beyond, I mean, there's obviously in any HR or personnel decision, like there's always some you know consideration given like that an employee who's been let go you don't need to you know the public doesn't always have a right to know what that what that is because it's a private personnel decision but i think this goes way beyond that i mean this is someone who's running our privatized now privatized medicaid program that has been a just a complete disaster um for the entire state and and especially if there's allegations that that they were doing something potentially illegal, unethical, and he objected to that, and that's why he was let go. I mean, we definitely have a right to know that. For sure. And as a political appointee, I mean, Governor Branstead even, I think it was Governor Branstead, signed a law that said that these transparency laws had to include records about uh, firing or resignations and why these people were leaving because they are funded by the taxpayers and considering that we pay their salary I think we have a right to know what they're doing with our money what they're doing with their time and what they're doing for us and especially a billion dollar program that runs health care for the most vulnerable of Iowans we deserve the right to know what he was doing yeah do you ever think we'll get to the bottom of it i mean the courier has put the waterloo cedar falls courier put out an ap story recently that apparently foxhoven was asked to leave because he didn't approve of still paying the salary of someone who's moving from his department to the governor's office and there's been multiple things about how other uh, governors have done the same thing, and it's not a, as big of a deal, but he wanted a legal opinion on it, 
which I think is his right if you're concerned about the legality of something that you're doing, especially in government and, I mean, even in the private sector, too. Yeah, and ultimately, if it's in his department, he probably would have been held accountable if yeah. there was something, uh, wouldn't you think? If, if there, there was something, something illegal going yeah, on, if there was something like, weird that happening. he was signing off on. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, would, they have ruled out Tupac, though, right? That that was not, is that, that's what you said? Right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So are there, do you think there's any other bizarre reasons that he might have been fired? Like, could we get creative and think of anything? Uh, <laughs> I mean, if, it's if not you had music, told me a be... year ago that Tupac <laughs> was going to be the big story in an Iowa Medicaid uh, debacle, I mean, I probably would have said that sounds about right. But, <laughs> but still, I think I, I am kind of glad that the the oddness of this story has led to greater attention to it because this happened almost a month ago when he left and it was kind of just a, I mean, that sounds like something that she's allowed to do. And then with the freedom of information act documents that came out that showed the Tupac Mm -hmm. uh, obsession, a lot more attention has been paid to this and, the first allegations that there was something going on happened in a music magazine, which Speaker Upmeyer and Republicans have said that, and Governor Reynolds have said that that's a reason to not continue the investigation because, oh, it's just a music magazine. But, uh, I mean, journalism is journalism. Right. And, I mean, a uh, big shout-out to uh, Associated Press, and I think it was Ryan Foley, the yes. reporter who, who did the uh request in for those emails and publish that's you know publish a story about those tupac cookies. The, the tupac yeah the tupac cookies tupac friday those tupac cookies look yeah. really good and we should give a plug for progress iowa's tupac friday playlist yes if you go to tupacfriday.com it goes to our you, you'll see our spotify playlist um in in honor of 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 the the recently departed from state government jerry foxhoven um, one quick note on this that I, I want to ask and, and talk about, I mean, I have strong feelings about it, but do you think Foxhoven's like being lifted up now? I mean, you, as kind of too much of a hero, you see like the, he's got a ray gun shirt now, like he, you know, which was inevitable probably. I but didn't like, see the ray gun Yeah. I mean, well, it, it's, it's a, it, Iowa needs Tupac or something like okay. that, but he was literally in the store getting handed this shirt from ray gun and like, I mean... I don't know. What, what's your take on, on Fox Oven? I mean, I think we're... I will say it's good to have someone standing up to Kim Reynolds saying that things that she wanted were not right or were in the gray area of legality and maybe pushing back, but he's been running the privatized Medicaid and the Department of Human Services, and it hasn't gotten better. It's not getting better for the people that are being denied wheelchairs and being denied home nurses and being denied nursing home care. I, I think that we should be hesitant to hold anyone up who has been part of an institution that has been responsible for Iowans but isn't taking these concerns seriously or doing things that harm them. It, it reminds me of the discussion around John McCain, where, like, yes, he voted down the repeal of ACA, but, you know, he had a lifetime as a 
uber conservative senator and he put sarah palin on the ticket in 2008 yes and that opened up uh, that helped continue the opening up of pandora's box where you have this uh supercharged uh racial politics now and and um and i that that helped speed up that process and so there's this whole very complicated and not always great legacy yeah, so I think it's dangerous, to, like you said, to hold hold him up uh, as much of a hero as he is. Up next, Robert Mueller testified this week in Congress uh, all day in front of two different committees um, about his report. He did not vary at all, really, from his report. He, um, at times, seemed subdued, um, but he confirmed every piece of the report for the members of uh, the members of Congress who. Uh, who were questioning him. He withstood brutal attacks from Republicans who wanted to uh, only focus on him personally and the, uh, and the personal nature of the, the team he had, uh, uh, the team he had on, uh, that was running the investigation. Um, and overall, I think Mueller came out fairly um, uh, unscathed personally um there was a lot of a lot of chatter about about his performance and how well he did and did he live up to the hype and i think it's really it was really fascinating for me to watch i watched most of it throughout the day um but the live like hot takes on twitter were like boiling super hot and like pretty ridiculous um where they didn't care much about the substance a lot you know um so but it was fascinating to watch lauren what'd you think we live in the age of the reality show presidency where everything is about ratings and clicks and i mean this this had been also so overhyped that Mueller was going to come testify and that he was going to come riding in on a white horse in his night garb and save us all and take Donald Trump down with him. And I think (laughs) we all had expectations for this hearing that are not in keeping with what a hearing is, which is just that it's a fact-finding mission. And we had the facts. And just because a lot of people didn't want to read a 400-page report that included uh, redactions and footnotes and to have... It seemed like the strategy was to have Robert Mueller come in and just basically give a SparkNotes version of his his report. But if people were not already interested in M- Mueller and his report and the Russia investigation and the election insecurities, then I don't think this was going to change your mind. Yeah, I do. I think it. You're right. Like I think it was like a. That it was, he was never gonna, how'd you put it, right on the white horse. He was never gonna save the day uh, completely. But I do think it's more about what comes next. I mean, like, I, I think that this, I, I completely disagree with the hot takes that day, where, like, it was, this is a disaster, you know, or that I saw some of that going on online, or like Mueller flopped or something like that. But you had, I mean, you, I looked at the, uh, headlines around the state um and in the sioux city journal and quad city times in the waterloo paper and waterloo cedar falls courier the cedar rapids gazette they all on their front page it was all Mueller, trump 
not exonerated. It was all very factual, um, uh, news, newsy headlines that wasn't what you were getting on MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, you know, which, so for people who are maybe more, like you're exactly the ones you're talking about, the ones who obviously didn't, you know, I think like 99.9% of people have not read the report, you know, or any part of it. And if you're a potentially low information or swing voter, but you see a headline on the front page that says Trump wasn't exonerated or Trump may have done something wrong, I think that can chip away, you know, but that's only one day. So you have, it has to keep going. You have to keep putting information out about this if you want any chance of, of accountability. I think also this story has just been going on for as long as Trump has been in office. Mm -hmm. And I also wonder about the fatigue factor about how this has been such a long time coming that it was never going to live up to any expectations that we might have had about how much this was going to affect his presidency or the ch his chances of indictment or the chances that his uh, not that his supporters would stop supporting him or that this was going to change people's minds. I don't know that many low information voters who are going to watch C-SPAN in right. the middle of the day. Um, speaking of indictment, I mean, I thought my one of my personal favorite moments was when there was a Republican congressman who asked Mueller if the president could be indicted after he left office. And Mueller, of course, said yes. Yes. And and then he was kind of surprised and taken aback, this congressman was, and he was like, he was like, wait a minute, you can indict the president after he leaves office? And Mueller said, yes, you can. And and I, I don't think that's the answer he was looking for. I, no, that doesn't <laughs> sound like it. It was pretty hilarious to watch his reaction to like see this, oh, like I, I, he could really be indicted for this, um, and and I think that's the case. And I think the only thing saving him from indictment right now is the fact that he's the sitting president, and that they listened to the Office of Legal Counsel opinion or the the memo or whatever it is that that the Department of Justice has that you can't indict a sitting president. So um, I think that's it. He's saving. He's being saved by being in office, and if he loses next year, then he's out of luck. But I think also the Mueller investigation isn't just about Trump as the figurehead. Obviously, we would everyone here would like to see Trump go down for being incompetent and uh, being open to foreign influence. But the Mueller report is more about... Yeah, but oh, there's a ton of uh, other ton criminal of prosecutions other crim going yes. on, like Roger Stone's getting yes. in, in going. Oh, I forgot soon. about Roger yeah, Stone. I, know. I don't know how I there's forgot so about many, Roger there Stone. There are so many unsavory characters in this story. It's hard. It's like the all villains version of Game of Thrones. Like, just it's hard to keep up with all the plot lines. Um, and one other, I mean, like we need to figure out how the heck to protect our election systems too. I mean, that's. I mean, Russia. Other countries, they're they're coming at they are coming after us, and and they are going to try and influence our elections again. And and one of the scariest things Mueller said the other day uh, was that they're doing they're doing it as we speak. I mean that like they are they are coming after us, and they want it was an attack on our country. And um, oh, yeah. and so I hope that I hope that something along those lines can happen if not at the federal level in the senate mcconnell just blocked a couple of bills um that would pr increase election security but maybe at the oh, state Mitch level McConnell. maybe at the state level i mean paul pate he's got to be on top of it right
I mean, I... Hmm, hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll just pass on that. Right? Our final headline of the week is Senator Joni Ernst comparing the situation and humanitarian crisis at the border to her Thanksgiving meal, where if you have a certain number of... Uh, or a certain amount of food at your table for Thanksgiving, and extra guests show up, what are you supposed to do? Do you invite them in? Do you turn them away? Apparently, Senator Ernst thinks that you kick them out into the cold uh, and, and leave them without a bite to eat. Um, that's, that's apparently the Ernst household Thanksgiving uh, theme. Uh, Lauren, what that, that was your Thanksgiving like that? Mine, mine really wasn't when I was growing up. No. Also, I'm reminded of a, of a small Bible story about how you, if you have extra people, you uh, take your resources and share them. And I mean, we don't talk about Bible stuff here, but I mean, that seems like something that would resonate with Joni Ernst and and the people that go to. Uh, vote for Joni Ernst. <laughs> um, yeah, the loaves and the, the fishes. Loaves and the, loaves fish. and the yeah. fishes. Yeah. Yeah. The fish. Yeah. Sorry. A thanks. fish. Yeah, the I know. Fishes. The fish. The fish. It's just absurd to think that that's the mentality of uh, of our senator that that you just would turn people away. I mean, that's not. That's not very that's, Iowa nice. That's that's not at all. It's not who we are. Uh, what uh, if you were going to get turned away from Thanksgiving? What would what would you miss the most? If I was going to get turned away from Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big pie fan. Pumpkin pie, probably? No, I like pecan pie. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. My my family has gone through cycles where everyone brings one kind of pie every year, and then the next year they'll think, oh, no one's going to bring, you know, apple pie this year, and then everyone brings apple pie. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I would, I would, pie, pumpkin pie has got to be top of the list for me. I also think it's interesting that she's thinking of Thanksgiving in the middle of July. Well, maybe, well, maybe this has happened to her before. Maybe she's had to kick people out of her of her Thanksgiving before. We should we should find out. We should get to the bottom of that. <laughs> Next week on What a Week, we will we will we'll we'll, investigate we'll Joni Ernst. Investigate Joni Ernst's Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. Up next, we're going to talk about the two year anniversary of the ACA being saved by a group of Republican senators joining with Democratic senators, including the late Senator John McCain, who gave a big thumbs down on the floor of the Senate with Mitch McConnell watching. Um, it's been two years, uh, uh, two years ago this July that that historic vote happened. There was, I mean, for since the, since the ACA was passed uh, in, in, in 2010, um, Republicans have been vowing to repeal and replace, or just repeal, or uh, and and they finally had their chance with complete control of the government, and they failed to do so because Senators um, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, and John McCain all voted no, and McCain, you know, sort of piggybacked on the on the hard work of of two uh, of two female senators and 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 cast the last vote at the last minute and and save the ACA uh or was the final deciding vote on that and and it's hard to believe it's been two years but it's hard to believe it's been two years since uh uh two and a half years since since Trump was sworn in uh as president but uh we are very uh glad that that vote happened and we're very glad to have our guest here today for the what an interview segment um, Emily Holly, the executive director of Iowa Voices. Thanks for being here, Emily. Thank you, Matt. Um, so it has been two years since 
since the ACA was, uh, since John McCain voted down the repeal of the ACA. Um, and uh, uh, what did you watch that vote as it as it went down? I did. What was what was that like? What were you thinking when that happened? I watched with bated breath. And what's interesting is I remember at the time I had a migraine. And so Greg oh, wow. had the vote on, and we, and he was watching it, and I could hear everything that was happening. But I was laying in bed with an ice pack on, just sort of getting through it. But I had, I just, I had to listen to the vote because I had to know: yeah. um, Am I going to have health care the next day, or yeah, uh, how is this going to work? So I was watching with bated breath, I think, along with a lot of other people. Did the final thumbs down vote relieve any of your migraine? symptoms or did that I was really happy I remember doing the like end of the breakfast club fist up in the air (laughs) when it happened and then I I'm pretty sure I passed out after that okay yeah this is a thumbs down fist up situation thumbs down fist up I like that great yeah um so part I know that we've worked together a lot on uh between progress Iowa and Iowa voices uh, or in that coalition and your new organization Iowa forward so I mean if you what I'd love to just ha- let you, I mean, uh, hear what you're up to and, and the work that you all are doing. So if you want to talk about that a little bit. Sure. So a group of Iowans uh, and myself decided to start an organization called Iowa Forward. And our campaign name is Iowa Voices. And our goal is to take key public policy kitchen table issues like health care, like taxes that Iowans are deeply caring about and really learn about what our senators particularly Joni Ernst, are doing when it comes to those issues. Yeah. And I know it's been just a few months, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, but what, what have you found out so far? How's it going? Like, what's the, what's the latest? It's going great. Uh, we've noticed that a lot of Iowans are very, very concerned about health care, particularly pre-existing conditions being covered. And Senator Ernst has voted four times to repeal the Affordable Care Act, including the two years ago thumbs down anniversary that you mentioned she voted in favor of repealing the affordable care act she voted for trump care which would have made pre-existing conditions like um, being born premature an excuse for insurance companies to deny claims or deny coverage in general um and so really uh, when it comes to her health care record we're giving her a big thumbs down yeah um and i know you mentioned your um uh migraine and wondering whether you were going to have health care. I know you bring a lot of personal experience to this, to this fight. Like, do you want to, I mean, what is that? Why you're, why you're so invested in this or what's the, what kind of made you want to start this organization to begin with? It's absolutely why I'm so invested in it. I have had severe chronic pain for uh, almost 24 years. It started with a mysterious bone infection the day after Halloween when I was 10 years old. And everything just sort of snowballed from there. As I got older, more and more problems became apparent. And so um, right now I have an autoimmune disease. I have fibromyalgia. I have um, degenerative discs in my back. I have migraines. I have endometriosis. I have all of these various health problems that are all pre-existing conditions but together they amount to severe chronic pain so that means that um you know a lot of people have chronic pain um you know regular aches where you're taking a leave or or um advil a couple times a week um the difference is severe chronic pain is when it truly affects your everyday life so you have trouble getting out of bed you have trouble doing basic 
tasks like walking the dogs or doing the dishes or laundry or things like that. So when it really impacts the the day-to-day necessities of your life, that's when it's considered severe. Yeah. I mean, what would... Uh, I just can't even imagine, like, to, uh, the, uh, having that and then having to worry about healthcare costs and things like that on top of that. But what would, like if the ACA were gone tomorrow, like you were talking about with the thumb, you know, when McCain made that final vote, like if it had gone the other way, let's say, um, what, like, what would that mean for you, for your family? That would mean that, um, I would have trouble getting insurance for the rest of my life. So, um, it would be, we'd basically go back to before the affordable care act when insurance companies could say, Oh, well you had this particular condition. So we will either not cover you, or we'll cover you, but we won't pay for anything that goes along with that condition. So for me, because I have all of these different things that add up to being severe chronic pain, an insurance company could say, oh, well, you know, we're not going to pay for X because you have endometriosis, or we're not going to pay for Z because you have fibromyalgia. So that means that they wouldn't cover anything they wouldn't cover my medications they wouldn't cover doctor visits unless it's you know a checkup for a cold I I mean they'd probably find a reason to deny coverage for a sinus infection because that you know they'd be able to say oh well you get migraines or you have allergies or so really I mean and it's not just people like me that have these severe health issues it's it's anyone that has some sort of health issue you know my daughter was born six weeks early she's completely fine um she you know she has no health problems that we're aware of but she was six weeks early she was in the NICU for six weeks and so the the insurance companies would would be able to say well you know any health problem that pops up that could be because she was premature right and that could follow her around for the rest of her life the rest of her life I mean um so basically, you know, for me, it would make, you know, we already pay a lot out of pocket every year for my medications, my appointments, um, procedures, scans. I actually don't know the exact amount because I don't want to know. Um, I'd, I'd, I like to be in denial about that because I think if I were to know, I think it would just be upsetting and there's nothing I can do about it yeah. because you, you need those things. Um, but we already pay a lot out of pocket, but it would have made things even more expensive and these are things that these aren't luxury items I need these procedures I need these medications to function to be able to go to work and do basic household things and play with my kid and and um you know live as as best a life as I can yeah we're we're recording this on Friday and we're we're working together on a press conference later today outside of Joni Ernst's office to hold her accountable for some of her votes that you mentioned um if you if she were sitting here what would you say to her? I would say that, you know, she has been, she's been going around the state talking about how we need to protect people with pre-existing conditions. And I, and I appreciate that she's talking about the issue and, and I respect her for doing that. However, um, she's talking about pre-existing conditions now and yet the Affordable Care Act was the groundbreaking legislation. It's the only legislation that we've ever had that protects people with pre-existing conditions. And she voted against it four times. And so what I would want to know is, you know, and she voted against it without having a plan in place to protect people with pre-existing conditions. So I guess I would want to know if pre-existing conditions are, are so important to her constituents and therefore to her, why did she think it was acceptable 
to vote multiple times against these protections without having any sort of substitute in place that would protect people like me, protect people like my daughter, protect, you know, millions of us. Yeah. Well, it's an answer I think you deserve. I hope, I don't know that we'll ever get it, but unfortunately. We'll keep trying. Yep. Um, well, thank you again for being, for joining us today and for all you do and uh, just look forward to continuing our work together. Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa and is part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. For more information, visit potluck.fm. See you next week on What a Week.